Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could be here. We're beginning a brand new series called, Did Jesus Really Say That? Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Hey, if you guys don't mind staying standing for just a second, um, I want to just read a passage of scripture. Um, Annabelle, can you give me some keys? Mark, give Annabelle some keys. Amazing. Anyone excited to be here this morning? So good. Feels good to be in the house of the Lord. Everyone watching online, we love you. So glad you could be here. Um, We're starting a brand new series. I'll talk about it in a second. Um, But right now, I just want to read this passage of scripture. I have us standing uh, so we're ready to receive what God has for us because I believe that God has something for us this morning. If you're ready to receive it, can you just say, I'm ready? Come on, Luke 14 says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and Jesus turned to them and he said, if anyone comes to me, And does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. You guys are like, Pastor, what are you reading today? Verse 27, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build, but they weren't able to finish. But they weren't able to finish. Um, I could have called this message, Finish Strong. But instead, I want to just call this message, The Cost of Following Jesus. The Cost of Following Jesus. Hey, can we give it up for the worship team? You guys can take a seat. So glad that you guys could be here. Uh, my name's Harrison. If you missed it, I'm the pastor here. We're just honored uh, that you could be here today. Um, again, everyone watching online, we love you. So glad to be here. Uh, we're beginning a brand new series, as I said uh, just a moment ago, and our series is titled, you guys ready for this? Our new series for the next number of weeks could be two, three, four, we'll see. Um, our series is called, Did Jesus Really Say That? Did Jesus really say that? And I'm super excited for this series because what I want to do is I want to go through and examine some of the hardest, some of the harder, you could even say some of the controversial teachings of Jesus. And so I'm just super excited for this series. Um, But I want to tell you guys where the heart of this series came from, where this idea kind of came from. Can I I tell you where it came from? And I need you guys guys to respond. Hey, have you guys ever heard... um, these kind of people, it's like the, I love Jesus, but. And then there's a few ways you can kind of fill in, in the but. It's like, I love Jesus, but I don't really like church. You ever met those people? Like, I love Jesus, I just love him. I'm not a church person. Or maybe it's like, I love Jesus, but I'm not really like an organized religion kind of person. Like, I just, I just love Jesus. Um, some of us, and this one's really popular right now, it's like, man, like, I love that Jesus dude. I don't think he was God. Like, I don't think he was, like, divine or anything like that, but I love that Jesus dude. In fact, 52% of Americans that were surveyed said that they, they really like Jesus. They, they think he was a great dude, but they don't actually think he was God. I love Jesus, but. Now, the one thing that really, 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 that's like, those are just some things, but where this series really came from, And maybe you guys have heard this one, but I hear it a lot. And I hear a lot of people saying, um, I love the teachings of Jesus. Have you guys heard that one? 
It's like, I just love the teachings of Jesus. Again, I'm not spiritual, I'm not religious, but I love the teachings of Jesus. I just love those teachings. Now, the reason that stuck out to me is because I'm going to be honest. Can I be honest with you guys? I'm a pastor. I love the Lord. I love Jesus. I'm just going to be honest. I don't always love his teachings. Now, some of you guys are like, what are you you trying to say, pastor? (laughs) Now, you need to understand, I I think that his teachings are spiritual. I think his teachings are divine. I'll let you guys know this in case you're wondering. Um, I don't believe that Jesus was just a dude. I think that he was God in the flesh. I think he came and he died for our sins. And I think that new life is found in him. I I believe that. And and I actually think that if he's not, then we probably shouldn't really listen to anything that he says. Because to be honest... Jesus sometimes says some hard things. I'm going to be honest. Jesus sometimes says some things I don't really like. I think they're good. But like, I don't really like it because a lot of the things that Jesus says actually goes directly against my natural inclinations. So I came to a thought because I keep hearing this idea. I love the things that Jesus said. And I began to wonder, do these people even know what Jesus actually said? So what I want to do in this series is I want to go through some of the harder teachings of Jesus. And what I want to do is I want to show us who Jesus really is and what he really says. Now, to be honest, we're not going to be able to go um, through every single teaching of Jesus. We'd be here till 2024. Um, But I just kind of want to highlight some things, like just some, some main things that Jesus actually teaches Because if we're honest, I think for a lot of people, when they say, I love the teachings of Jesus, they have this idea about love, generally speaking, right? Like, I just love the fact that Jesus said to love people. Like, I love that teaching. You want to know what I say? No, you don't. No, you, because Jesus, what you would love if Jesus told us to love some people. Like, I can get behind that. I can get behind love the people I agree with. Love the people on the same side of the spectrum as me. Like, I can, get, I can get down with that. But the truth is, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus actually says, love those who hate you. Love those who persecute you. Love those who disagree with you. Love those who you don't really like. In fact, he says in Luke chapter 6, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Did Jesus really say that? You see, I just have this belief that a lot of times it's like I love the teachings of Jesus, but we don't know the teachings of Jesus. And so um, I might in this series go back to Luke chapter 6 and kind of go through that. Um, But just kind of giving you guys the overview, letting you know where it came from. That's my heart in this series. I want to go through some passages that we might not think Jesus said, but Jesus indeed said it. How many of y'all got physical Bibles this morning? A few people, amazing. You can can follow along and make sure I'm not just making things up. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 14 this morning, looking at a tough thing that Jesus said. And I'm kind of going to break this down. I'll give you guys some context as we go along. Uh, But Luke chapter 14 is where we are, and we're going to start uh, in verse 25. If you're ready and you got it, just shout, I'm ready. Luke 14, 25 says this. I want to look at the first part. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times when I picture Jesus on earth, I have this picture and I have this perception that Jesus was surrounded by crowds of people. That's kind of just how I picture it, and one of the reasons I picture it is because that's kind of the picture that is painted in the Bible. 
i.e. Luke 14, verse 25. Large crowds were around Jesus. And so it's really easy to assume when you read the New Testament that Jesus was all about attracting large crowds. Like, just got to get a nice crowd in here. Just got to get the people in here. But what I began to notice is that very intentionally, it seems that every single time the crowd began to swell, the crowd began to, to, to grow, Jesus would say something in order to dwindle the crowd down. Now, I want to give the context of Luke chapter 14. At the beginning of the chapter, Jesus has just healed someone. He's healed someone of swelling in their body. And so naturally speaking, people either saw this or they heard about this. And they're like, oh my gosh, we got a healer on our hands. Like, I need to see that. I just need to to experience that. And so what happens is the crowds began to grow. And I don't think it's a stretch to assume or to say the reason that people were there probably in some way was because they hoped that they could get something from Jesus. Like, I got a sprained knee. My hairline's receding. Like, maybe he can help with that. Like, I think it's safe to assume because Jesus was healing and then crowds began to grow that a number of the people that were there were there so they could get something from Jesus. But I want you to understand, this is super, super important. You're going to see this as we go along. We do not follow Jesus to get something. We follow Jesus because of who he is. And so Jesus, what he begins to do, and you'll see it a couple of times. We'll probably look at a few other passages in this series. But what Jesus begins to do is a pattern emerges. Is he begins to say things in order to dwindle these crowds into crews. Jesus calls them disciples. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, man, like if I'm starting a movement, like the crowd is nice. Like more is always better. Why is Jesus trying to dwindle down the crowd? The truth is this. A few committed people are always better than a large group that aren't committed. How many guys ever been in a group project before? Come on. You guys know how it is. It's a group of four or five, but only two people do the work. And what happens a lot of the times, it actually takes longer because the three other people are slacking off. So, so, so numbers aren't always better. And so Jesus had this way of saying, you know what? I need to dwindle this crowd down to a crew, down to a few faithful people. So you'll see this pattern in scripture. When the crowd begins to get big, Jesus begins to get real. Everyone follow him? And so it says, large crowds, verse 25, were were traveling with Jesus. Jesus turned to them and he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters. He didn't say cousins, so there's some family for you. Um, Yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Lord, have mercy. Anyone have a Bible in their hands? Can you confirm it says that? Now, the thing that sticks out to us, and the thing that probably makes us say, did Jesus really say that, is because we see the word hate, right? And and Jesus is all about love. So what's he talking about hate? Now, you need to understand, I'm going to solve this problem, but it's going to leave an even bigger problem. You'll see what I mean. Jesus, like any person in the history of humanity, uses figures of speech in the same way People say, I'm so hungry, I could eat a cat or a dog or a horse. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the. I mean, are horses really any more, 
any better than a cat? I'm not sure. I'm, you got, you got, it's a figure of speech, right? I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. What I meant to say, it's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> that's, the, that's the figure of speech I was looking for. Um, but so, so, so come back, come back, come back. What Jesus is doing here is Jesus is using a figure of speech. And so what he is saying, he's saying, if you want to follow me, your devotion to me will be so great that everything else in comparison will almost be as if you hated them. So he's not speaking about hate literally. He's speaking about hate comparatively. Now, that solves one problem because it's like, oh, thank goodness, I never thought my Savior would say hate. But the other problem arises. What Jesus is saying is that if you want to follow me, everything else in your life is a distant second. Your family, your father, your mother, your kids, even your own life. If you want to follow me, the truth is those things are hate in comparison to devotion to me. If you want to follow me, nothing in your life will rival it. I don't know about you guys, but that's a hard teaching. And how do I deal with that? You see, what Jesus is doing is he wants no one to be mistaken who was there in the crowd that day. When you follow me, I am the number one thing in your life. So here's the call of Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, he needs to be the number one thing in your life. More than my job, more than my relationships, more than my finances. And so Jesus says this so no one will be caught off guard. So here's the point I want you to understand. And this is the point I think that Jesus was trying to put forward that day. Following Jesus involves sacrifice. Following Jesus involves sacrifice. There is no version of following Jesus that does not involve some level of sacrifice. You want to know why this is hard? Because the natural inclinations of our heart is to be motivated by our own self-interests. Jesus says, I'm above even your own life. What that means is the things that you want to do, the way that you see things, the way that you think, your natural inclination is not more important than than who I am. In other words, the words of Jesus are more important than the natural inclinations of my heart. What Jesus says is more important than my feelings. Why is this hard? Because sometimes my feelings come in direct contrast to what Jesus says. But he says, listen, you want to follow me, it's going to involve sacrifice. You see, I think that there was far too many people that were there that were only there for what they could get. But Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, it's going to involve sacrifice. Now, you need to understand the words of Jesus here are very gracious. Do you want to know why they're gracious? Because there's nothing worse than getting into something and you think it's going to be one way and then it turns out completely different. I'll give you guys an example. So I, um, I live in St. Albert and apparently um, for a while we were on copper wires for all of our internet and stuff. So Telus called me a few weeks ago. Um, and they said, hey, Harrison. I said, hello. And uh, they said, we're, we're changing all of the wires uh, in your neighborhood from copper to fiber. Can we schedule a time to do yours? And I said, yes. I said, but what does it cost? And they said, no cost. It just comes. We do it. It's done. You're good. And I said, sign me up, sister. So they come do all the stuff, change the wires from copper to fiber. Um, A couple days back, I checked my visa bill, and I have a charge from TELUS 
for $400. And so I looked through the charge and there was an installation fee for $150. There was an upcharge for my television because it's fiber and there was an upcharge for my internet because it's fiber. Needless to say, it was a busy week. I'm calling TELUS next week to get my money back. But have you guys ever experienced that when you go into something and you think it's going to be one way and it's completely different? People were there with Jesus. And what Jesus was saying, if you're here because you want me to fix your bad back, if you're here because you want me to do something for you, guess what? Jesus can do all of that. Jesus can do all and more than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. Jesus could heal every infirmity if he wants to. But what he's saying, if that's the only reason you're here, you're going to be gravely disappointed. Because I am not starting a movement that is built around self-interest. I'm starting a movement around self-sacrifice. It's not, it's not about you. It's not about me. If you want to write it down, just say this. There is no version of following Jesus that does not include some form of sacrifice. And some of you are saying, Harrison, I've been following Jesus for a long time, and I haven't really sacrificed anything. I might need to sit down when I say this, but maybe you haven't been following Jesus. Because there's no version of following him that will not cost you something. Look what he says next. Verse 27, he says, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now you need to understand that Jesus is speaking both prophetically in this moment, because at this time he hasn't died yet, obviously, but he's also speaking very literally to a culture that knows what the cross was. They would know what he's saying. And we, of course, if we understand the story of Jesus, that he died on a cross, he carried his cross, we know even more so. The point of what he's saying, he's saying, if you want to follow me, it's not up until a point. He says, if you want to follow me, you need to be prepared to carry your cross. What does carrying my cross look like? It means I follow Jesus when it's not popular. It means I follow Jesus in the midst of ridicule. I follow Jesus in the midst of shame. It means when I follow Jesus, I might actually lose something. And I'll tell you why this is hard. Because we live in the individualistic era. We live in the me era. The self-help day era. You want to know what the number one selling genre of books are in the world today? Self-help. Right? Because it's all about me. Life is about me. Every sin, and no one should feel like that's someone else. All of us are about ourselves. The, the nature of following Jesus is that I have to deny myself. Listen, why do we love the Enneagram? I'm a seven. Because we can understand ourselves. It's all about me. People should know I'm a six, so you better talk to me like a six. Love language is the same thing. Listen, like, I'm, I'm all about service, and my friends do not serve me. <laughs> you see, to follow Jesus, I want us to understand this. I told you this series is hard. We're going through the hard teachings of Jesus. To follow Jesus is to deny yourself because to follow Jesus means I will not be all about me. Well, Jesus, do I get anything? Yeah, you get a cross. You get to carry it. Some of you guys are like, I don't want to follow Jesus. <laughs> that was kind of his point. But, but you need to understand, it, it, Jesus wants everyone to follow him. But he doesn't want anyone to follow him under false pretenses. 
He doesn't want anyone getting into this thing thinking it's going to be easy. Now, now some of us are saying, Harrison, why, why does it have to be like this? Like, why does it have to be like this? The truth is this, and I want you guys to understand this. Number one, I think that Jesus is God, so I think that Jesus knows the tendency of our hearts. And I believe the tendency of our hearts is this. I want you guys to write this down. We tend not to value things that cost us nothing. We tend not to value things that cost us nothing. Now, you need to understand something. Your salvation was paid for and bought with a price. There was absolutely nothing you could do about it. Jesus did it all. All you have to do is accept it. And it's as easy as that. But I just have this belief that if we only accept the sacrifice of Jesus, but we do not take the call to follow him seriously, we will begin to take for granted the sacrifice. We will begin to take for granted that which was given to us. Why? Because we tend not to value things that cost us nothing. Parents, you know this all too well. Because you have this struggle. And it's like, why don't my kids appreciate the house I put over their head? Like they do not cook, they do not clean, they do not make their beds. And I'm over here providing and they barely even care. Do you know why they don't care? It's because it's the natural tendency of their heart. They didn't pay anything for it. It didn't cost them anything. And so they have a hard time valuing it. But the moment, you need to understand this, the moment you go into their first house they paid for, <laughs> mama, take off those shoes. Do not put that coffee on my couch. Don't, don't you even, no, no, no. Th those are indoor shoes, outdoor shoes. I paid for this house. Because <laughs> once we pay for something, we value it. Listen, you don't believe it. I'll tell you guys another story. How many guys were at our drive-in movie last week? So awesome. Um, so this is the second year we did it. And um, I would say this year as opposed to last year for the movie, um, we had at least like four to five times as many cars as last year. But here's the crazy thing. I checked the stats. In 2020, we sold 152 cars, tickets for cars. It's one ticket per car. In 2021, we sold 154 cars. Virtually the same, yet why did one year people show up and not the other year? You want to know why? We charged 10 bucks this year. And it's not to make a profit. Lord, have mercy not to make a profit. <laughs> but it's because I think we understand the tendency of the human hearts. And so what we said as a team, we said if people put some money into it, they're going to value it more. Because when it was free, when it cost them nothing, a bunch of people took the option. <laughs> I'm just sleeping tonight. But even $10, just the weirdness of our hearts, if it costs us something, we tend to value it more. And so what if the reason that Jesus is calling us to follow him in a way in which it costs us something is so we can begin to value who he actually is? I'll tell you this, in my life, I love to serve Jesus. I hope I love my whole, it's my job, kind of. Um, But one of, the way, one of the ways that I understand the sacrifice of Jesus better is through service. Because when I come up here sometimes and I realize I've been a jerk this week, I've said some things, I had to apologize, I've fallen short, yet Jesus still uses me. That causes me to then look at his sacrifice with even new lens and say, thank you, Jesus. It's only by your grace I can come up here and hold a mic. Because had you not died for me, I deserve a lightning bolt to the head. 
And I'll tell you this, you guys know it to be true. Those of us on our team, when you serve in this place, you value it more. It's not kingdom church, it's my church. It's our church. When we give to this place, we value it more. When we put on events, the church didn't put it on, I put it on. I gave to that. There's a tendency of our hearts, I want us to understand this, that says, well, if I do not pay anything, I will take it for granted. And so because salvation costs us nothing, I believe one of the reasons that Jesus calls us to follow him wholeheartedly is so we can understand better the sacrifice of Jesus. And I think that, and I'll just, I'll give you guys a few more examples, but um, I want to paint this picture because a lot of us are like, I follow Jesus, life gets better, hashtag blessed. Um, Life does get better, you are hashtag blessed, but it might not always look the way you think it's going to look. And one thing that I've found, and it's weird, is like the first time, and in Canada it's very, very minimal, but the first time you kind of get persecuted for your faith, it actually draws you closer to Jesus. The first time someone says something about you, you believe that. Like it's hard and it hurts, yet it draws us closer to Jesus. You want to know where the church is exploding right now? China. Why? Because Christianity is illegal there. And it's interesting, in a place where it is illegal to be a Christian, it's exploding. Why? Because the people are on fire for Jesus. Why are they on fire for Jesus? Because it's a great cost to follow him. Their life is on the line. Literally, pastors preach the gospel and can die. But it makes them value Jesus all the more. I, I love this. I, I, I really want to push this into our hearts because if we've been following Jesus and we don't feel like we've been sacrificing anything, now is the time. Maybe the sacrifice is giving a little bit more of my time. It's serving a little bit more. Maybe my sacrifice is taking up a stand at work and saying, I do believe in Jesus. I know it's not popular. I know I shouldn't say it, but I believe in him. Whatever that is, I want to encourage you in your next step or your first step. If you follow Jesus, get ready to sacrifice. And be prepared, but the sacrifice will actually draw you closer to Jesus. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament uh, is found in 2 Samuel 24. And David, who is the king, he's going to offer a sacrifice to God. And because David is the king, this dude says, hey, 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 listen, listen. I'll give you the sacrifice, David. You give it to God. Because you're the king. I'm not going to let you pay. One of my favorite verses in scripture, David says this. The king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying for it myself. Look at this. I will not sacrifice for the Lord my God an offering that costs me nothing. I'm not going to give God something that costs me nothing. When our relationship with God doesn't cost us anything, we don't value it. You need to understand, self-sacrifice, there's always an immediate cost. Whenever I move against my own inclinations, it's going to cost me something. When I want to sleep in instead of serving, it's going to cost me something. It's a little bit less sleep. And the truth is this, self-sacrifice always has an immediate uh, feeling, an immediate cost, but you won't always see the immediate gain. And that's what makes it hard. You, You won't always see it. But David says, I will not offer anything to God that costs me nothing. Listen to this. To follow Jesus is to put the interests of him and his kingdom above my own. It means he comes first. And this sounds hard, but in the long run, it's exactly what we need. 
Now, uh, there's a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and it's a famous book, um, and it's the reason I called my sermon The Cost of Following Jesus, because I didn't want to rip off Dietrich by calling it The Cost of Discipleship. But he wrote a book, and in his book, in the backdrop in which he wrote it, Dietrich took a stand for Christianity in the midst of Nazi Germany. So he was a pastor in Germany, and he stood up to Hitler. How the story ends, he was hung. But in the midst of it, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And he talks about following Jesus in a costly way as opposed to following him in a cheap way. And I want to read you what he says because I think his words are so elegant. And much like Jesus, they're hard, but I think they can change us. He says this. He says, cheap grace is to hear the gospel preached as follows. Of course you have sinned, but now everything is forgiven. So you can stay as you are and enjoy the consolation of forgiveness. The main defect of such a proclamation is that it contains no demand for discipleship. So in other words, I accept the gift of Jesus, but I don't do anything. He says, in contrast, there's costly grace. And costly grace confronts us to a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to a broken spirit and the contrite heart. It is costly, though, because it compels a man to submit to the yoke of Christ and to follow him. It is grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what he's saying, he's saying costly grace is to say, Jesus, I understand your sacrifice. Therefore, I'm not living for me anymore. I'm not following my every thought. I'm not following my natural desire, my natural inclination. It's going to cost me, but I'm following you. But what he says, he says it's worth it because Jesus promises that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So even to, to deny yourself is hard. To face rejection is hard. But in the end, Jesus gives us a gift, a lightness, a peace, and something that actually costs us. So Jesus, he concludes, speaking to the crowd, he says in verse 28, he says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, Everyone will see it and ridicule you, saying this person began to build, but they weren't able to finish. So what Jesus is saying, he tells the crowd straight up, you want to follow me? It's going to involve sacrifice. It's going to cost something. So he says, let's, let's look at it like this. He's saying, before you follow me, you need to count the cost. Before you need to follow me, you need to count the cost. I'm either all in or I'm out. There's no in-between. He says, in the same way when you go to build a house, make sure you can afford to do it. Can, can I tell you something, church? If you want to follow Jesus, make sure you can afford to do it. It's going to cost us something. For some of us, maybe it's prestige. Maybe it's, it's, it's just the way that people look at us, our reputation. For some of us, it's money. I'm going to have a little bit less, but I'm following Jesus. For some of us, I'm going to have a little bit few followers, but I'm following Jesus. And that's what matters. I don't care who follows me. It's not about me. It's about following Jesus. So what he says is count the cost. And there is nothing more costly than realizing my life is no longer my own. That I don't live for me. I don't live for my inclinations. I live for Jesus. But here's the thing. It's a hard teaching of Jesus. It's a hard saying, but there's a reason Jesus says it. And there's a reason that Jesus says, 
put me first, seek my kingdom first. You wanna know what the reason is? It's because everything else, even if it's a good thing, father, mother, relationship, friends, work, whatever, he says, even if it's a good thing, it's not a God thing. And the only thing that can satisfy in our life, the only thing that can give us purpose and meaning and true fulfillment is not me things, is not good things, I need God. And so the truth is anything else in your life, when you put it above Jesus, the tendency of your heart will be to serve that thing. Listen, we don't have a service problem. We all serve something. But those things cannot handle the weight of glory. Only God can bear the weight of our worship. So if I worship my family, they can't handle it. If my life revolves around my kids, that's a pressure they can't handle. And it's something that will never satisfy. Your job will constantly disappoint you. Your money will never be enough. So Jesus says, put me first. Count the cost. And I'm telling you this, church, it's a hard teaching. But when we follow Jesus wholeheartedly, when we make the decision to follow Jesus, it's going to cost something, but it's the best thing you will ever pay for. It's the best thing. Because when you experience what Jesus has for you, nothing else compares. There is no feeling to serving God that compares to serving Jesus. There is no feeling you will ever experience like when you share the gospel with someone and their life is transformed. There's nothing better. And so Paul in Philippians chapter 3, he kind of puts it nicely. He says, whatever were gains to me, the things I cared about in the past, the way I looked at things before, my, 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 my thought pattern, he says, I consider it all lost for the sake of Jesus. What is more, everything is a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. It's all garbage. But when I lose those things, I gain Christ. And I gain Jesus. And so for those of us, we've been trying to find things to give us fulfillment. We've been serving things, worshiping things, chasing and chasing. I want to ask the question, how's that going? Where's that taking you? Do you feel like you never have enough? Do you feel like this just will not satisfy? The truth is it cannot satisfy. Only Jesus can. And so the call in a way we can say, man, Jesus is trying to, is trying to bring the crowd down. But he still makes the appeal to the crowd. So every single person, every single one of us can make the decision, do I want to follow Jesus? And it's going to cost us something, but it's the best price we'll ever pay. Let's just stand for a second, church. I want to give us a moment right now just to respond to what we've heard. And so uh, if we could just every head bow, every eye closed. And for some of us, it's going to be a recommitment. And for some of us, it's a commitment. And it's a commitment to say, I'm putting away the old things. I'm putting away the former things, my former way of thinking, my former way of living. And I'm going to follow Jesus. So, so right here, right now, maybe it's for the first time you've heard the appeal of Jesus. You've heard the call of Jesus to carry your cross, to follow him. If you want to do that, right here, right now, I want to give you the opportunity, whether it's for the first time, whether it's a recommitment, all I'm going to ask us to do is just to raise our hands. And we're just saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. So I'm just going to count backwards for three. If you want to follow Jesus, just show me your hand. In three, 
two, one, just show me your hand. Thank you. Jesus, I want to follow you. Come on, can we pray this together? Just repeat after me. Just say, Jesus, I give you everything. I give you my wins and I give you my sins. God, today I'm choosing to follow you. God, help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's clap our hands. Every single person. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.